0: My name's Ed. I'm alcoholic. I, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. That's why I'm here tonight. Uh, and I want to thank Paul for asking me to come out and share my experience, strength, and hope with you guys. It's always an honor to be asked to come out and, uh, and uh, participate in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and I take it seriously, too. Uh, normally, I would, uh, I, I'm originally from California. That's where I got sober. Uh, my sobriety date's October 19th, 1999. And uh, out in California, they teach you, if you're ever asked to get up to the podium... Um, you clean up, and, and uh, most people ask you. A lot of meetings ask you to wear a tie, and so I won't wear a tie, but I usually wear a coat. So, so uh, um, but I was like, hey, hell, this is Arizona. I'm, like, I'm just going to put on my jacket. <laughs> I got to put on a coat, <laughs> so because I'm not feeling well as it is, and so. But, you know, that's the way it is. I, I, I'm not feeling well because I probably caught a bug. Um, I'm not, not feeling well because I had a really late night last night, so that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Thank God it hasn't happened in a little over 16 years. And uh, um, for that, I am absolutely grateful. And uh, thanks, that's thanks to you guys. And that's, that's one of the reasons I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, my relationship in alcoholics anonymous my relationship with sobriety and my relationship with my higher power uh, is is a, is an interesting one so it's always changing it's absolutely never boring you guys are the most interesting thing i have ever seen in my entire life so <laughs> you just take a look i mean i is anybody new here i missed that part is anybody new here in, in alcoholics anonymous so we have a newcomer so it, 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 whoever is the new person is this like your first meeting or have you been to meetings before because if this was my first meeting i'd take a look around this room and say, "Oh my God!" <laughs> I'd be mean, like, "You know, how how is group therapy with a the motley crew like this going to help my disease?" You know, I've got problems. So I don't know about you guys, when, but uh, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had problems. I had a lot of problems, and, and uh, it seemed like it seemed like the the least of my problems was drinking. It really did. I understood that I could not stop drinking and I had put so much alcohol in me by this time that uh, it was killing me. It was physically killing me. So I knew I had to stop drinking. But man, I had a lot of problems. So you know, just like the book talks about that person that can't work and that person that can't have relationships and that person that that can't put together any kind of steady life, any kind of stable life and, and, and feel good about it. That was me when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. So Um, uh, um, Usually when I'm asked to do something like this, get up to the podium, I, I usually like to talk about sobriety for a little while because if, if I never get drunk in my pitch, that's okay. So, but, but a lot of times, if I start, if I start reminiscing about the old days, <laughs> I'll stay drunk for the, entire, <laughs> for the entire pitch, and I won't talk about sobriety. So a lot of times I talk about sobriety, and some people point that out. They say, well, you know, you never talked about what it was like. But the honest truth is we all know what it was like, and, and, and I think it's important that we identify. I absolutely think it's important that we identify. But I'm here for recovery. That's what I was taught. I'm here for recovery. When I, and when I get up to the podium, it's important that I respect the podium. And, and respecting the podium is talking about recovery for the people who are here for recovery. Everybody here, everybody here is for recovery. And that's what brings us together. I mean, that, that as Motley crew, as a strange group of fellows that normally would not mix, um, uh, we're here for one purpose. And that's, it's that singleness of purpose that keeps Alcoholics Anonymous pure. And when we stick to that singleness of purpose, uh, um, um, Alcoholics anonymous functions just fine we are some screwed up people <laughs> we have got some, got some some serious issues um, my issues my personal issues I and mean, you know was I, I, I it just a general alcoholics so I, I i you know i didn't wasn't like a bank robber. I like you guys that have the stories about being bank robbers and hitmen for the mob and stuff like that. You know, thank God we have a few of those. And alcoholics, none of those interesting stories because most of my friends are about the same as me. We were just lame alcoholics. There was nothing. You know, I would go into the bar. I had my. I, everybody had their favorite bar. Anybody else here a bar drinker? I know, I know you guys were bar drinkers. I can tell. But <laughs> a lot of times in, in meetings, you ask you ask people if they were bar drinkers. And they're like, no. You know, really, I kind of drink by myself at home. No, I loved the bar I love the craziness of the bar I loved being able to go to the bar and not stand in line did you have that kind of bar so was there was a line out front I didn't stand in line I went through the kitchen so because you know you buy the bouncers enough drinks they get to like you after a while so and you're there and and I, I I had my favorite bar was a place called Fido's in Atlanta Georgia and and there's a Fido's there now but it wasn't the same Fido's that I drank at and um, this was an Irish bar, and, and the Irish, I love the Irish, So they could, because they knew how to drink, you know, they knew how to party, and so and it was Irish-owned and everything, so, so and what they would do is, is uh, after hours, they would close up the bar, just like they would do in Ireland, they would close up the bar, and if you knew the bartender, they would let you stay, and you would drink for free after hours. Now, it didn't matter at this point, because I was like three sheets to the wind, I was drunk, I didn't really care about anything else, but we would sit there. And at this bar, when I would walk in there, so they would, they would allow me to pass up the line, and I would go in there, and I had my favorite seat, and my favorite seat was waiting for me, and they would have my Guinness waiting for me when I got to the bar. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. This, this was as ambitious as my life had become, <laughs> is making sure that my drink was ready at a certain time. That was it. That was it. That's the, that's the extent... Of, of, my, of my drinking in, 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 before Alcoholics Anonymous is, as an alcoholic that's as good as it got for me now, when I got to that drink and I sat down at, at the bar and, and I had all these fellows around me, I had all these drunk friends around me, we would talk about all the things we were going to do. I don't know about you guys, but I was always going to change the world, man. After a few drinks, it was, you know, we were going to start new companies and we were going to make lots of money and we were going to fly jets and we were going to go around the world and all of this stuff. And then I just got drunk and passed out. And that's it. That was that was my entire life. And And so... So when, when we talk about what it was like, I really don't have that much to share <laughs> about what it was like. I got drunk and I could not stop. And by the time I realized that drinking was my problem, by the time I realized that I could not drunk, get I, I could not stop getting drunk, there was nothing I could do about it. I knew that I was screwed. I knew that alcohol had me. And there was and I was chained to that bottle. And it was not—it was not just a crutch. I mean, it was—it was an extension of my life. It was a lifestyle. Nobody gets to Alcoholics Anonymous just because they had a bad weekend. You got to work at it for a while. So, so I did, and uh, and so my sobriety day is October nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine, and it was a Tuesday. Now, here's the craziness of the the disease of alcohol. Uh, By the way, how long am I supposed to talk? About five to eight. Five, five to eight. Okay, I got plenty of time. Um, here's the craziness of of the disease of alcoholism is that had you asked me that was Tuesday October 19th 1999 had you asked me on that Monday uh, October 18th Ed do you think you got a problem with drinking and I would have told you no now, for the last four years, I, I, I went to, the reason I was in Atlanta, Georgia, is I, is I had uh, gotten a job. I, I was originally from California, and they flew me out there, and I pissed away that job because of drinking. So instead of being at my, at my place at, at, at what I was supposed to be doing, I was across the street drinking at the bar. And they don't really take kindly to that. And when you're supposed to be at work, you're not mm-hmm. supposed to be at the bar drunk. <clears throat> so I had lost that job and for the last four years I had, I had done nothing basically but get up and drink around the, <clears throat> the clock and pass out and that had become my life but had you asked me on the day before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, Ed do you think you got a problem with drinking? I would have told you no and that would not have been a lie, I would not have been trying to deceive you, I would not have been trying trying to manipulate or anything like that, that was my truth that was my truth, the only thing that was working for me at this point in my life was drinking, that was it, that's all I could do and you know, people like to talk about how it stopped working. Yeah, it stopped working for me too. But I could always get drunk. I could always pass out. I could always turn the lights off with alcohol. So, and that's that's where I was at. So, before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and what happened what happened was that I decided that I needed a job. <laughs> After a little while, I decided that I needed to get to uh, to start working. And, uh, the, you know, the, the unemployment had run out, and I had no money, and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And this was 1999, and people were, my friends, my, <laughs> I had two friends left. I had two friends left that I tagged along with when we went and partied and stuff like that. And, um, and and they wanted to go to Las Vegas for the for the year 2000 big party and everything like that, and I had no money. So so I decided that I needed to get any piddly little job that I could find and to make a little money so I could go to Las Vegas with my friends, and that was, that was what I wanted to do. And it never occurred to me that I could not stop drinking. But the thought that did run through my mind was that maybe, maybe if I'm going to be looking for a job, I should stop drinking for like, you know, just a day or two so that I could go out and put in some applications. Now, it didn't occur to me that I had a drinking problem. So it didn't occur to me that I could not stop drinking. So yeah, I'm not an alcoholic. That, like I said, that was my truth. That was, that was my delusional thinking at that point. And that's the disease of alcoholism. And that happens to us in sobriety, too, I noticed. That happens after a while. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, some of you have had the, the opportunity to sponsor somebody. And after a while, once they get a little once they get the job back, once they get the car back, once they got the apartment back, they go out and get drunk again. Because they don't have a problem with alcoholism. And that was mean. So I went out, I, I, did not, I did not drink that entire day for one day, and I proved to myself that I was not an alcoholic, so drinking was not my problem, so my problem was just a really long bad luck streak, that was my problem. <clears throat> so I went out and I put out a few applications, and, um, and I didn't have a drink all that day, and I went home, and I went to bed, and I went into a restless sleep. Now... If you've been drinking around the clock, like I had been drinking for the last four years, if you had been drinking around the clock, your body has other ideas about getting sober. So you can't, in fact, it's really dangerous to just stop drinking like that. And what I understand from the history of Alcoholics Anonymous is that when they went and made the 12-step call, before all the hospitals and, and, and all the drying out places, they took a bottle with them. They took a bottle of whiskey when they went to dry somebody out. So because they knew it was really dangerous for somebody to go into DTs. So I didn't have a drink all that one day, and I went to sleep, and about 3 in the morning, so I, I woke up out of my restless sleep, and I was going into convulsions, and I was sweating bullets, and my heart was pounding out of my chest, and, and I was going into DCs, is what it was. And one thought can't, ran through my mind, just one thought, and that was, my God, I need a drink. And, and that's when it hit me. That's when I realized that I was an alcoholic that I could not stop drinking. And it hit, it, I had that moment of clarity that we talk about. Uh, it, it, and, it, and I realized in that moment of clarity that all of it, all of those bad luck things, all of the divorce, the firing from the jobs, changing jobs every, every 10 minutes, like the other people change underwear, getting, getting fired, all of this other stuff, going to jail, all of that stuff, it was my fault. All of it. <clears throat> and it was behind alcohol. And, so, and I knew I could not stop drinking. I knew I could not stop drinking. And I realized that it was killing me. So I tumbled out of bed, down on my knees, because I kept a case of booze under the bed. And so I grabbed a drink, and I drank enough to stop me to slow down my heart and stop shaking. And while I was down there, I prayed the first honest prayer that I had ever prayed in my life, and that was, my God help me. That was it. Because I knew that no man, no woman, no, no, no program, no doctor, no pill, no treatment program could help me with my problem. So I knew that that the bottle had me and there was nothing I could do about it. And so only only a miracle. And that's that's when we come in here. Now, when we come in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I heard those guys (laughs) where I had gotten sober. They said that you are doomed. If you're an alcoholic like we're an alcoholic, if, if you are chained to the bottle like we were chained to the bottle, you are doomed. There is absolutely nothing you can do about your situation, and you will die an alcoholic aside from a miracle. And that's what this program does. That's what this program This program gets you in touch with a power greater than yourself that will solve your problems for you. And that's what this book is about. This book, yeah, I don't want to preach you guys. I, if this was a bigger crowd, I would I'd hold the book up and show everybody my book and stuff. But, but that's what the book is all about. So if you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous, this is the program. This is what we do. Making coffee, going to meetings, setting up, going to dances, sponsoring people, all that other stuff. All that other stuff is to keep you in touch with that power greater than yourself that will solve your problems for you. And the book says, and of course, we're going to talk about God. And that's what the book calls it. So, now, I don't, me, I don't know much about God. And the longer I stay sober, the more I realize that the only important thing that I realize about God is I'm not him. <clears throat> and so I can't, I, and the book says that. The book says we don't play God anymore, and that helps us with our problem. So I prayed that prayer, and I, re- I realized that. So I got up off my knees, and I didn't know anything what to do about my problem. I did not know what to do about my problem. Now, I'm an alcoholic. I had been drinking around the clock for the last four years, and I did not know what to do. So I got on the computer. This is like 3 in the morning. I got on the computer, and this was at the time my fo- I was living with my folks, and my folks had a computer. And, and we, could, we could text each other. And, and, and I had a friend on the East Coast that I used to text to her, and I knew she was a nurse. And she worked in a hospital. So I decided to tell her about my problem. I, I told her, I typed to her that, uh, that I think I'm an alcoholic and I don't know what to do about my problem. <clears throat> and um, the first miracle was that she was actually up because this is like 3 in the morning and this is 6 in the morning for her. I think she worked the late shift or something like that. So normally she wouldn't even be up. And so I, t- I, t- I, I, I typed to her that I think I'm an alcoholic and I don't know what to do about my problem. Maybe you can give me some help. She turned out to be a recovering alcoholic and she didn't tell me before that. I reached out to God, I reached out to the power of of the universe, and the universe reached back. Right then and there, right then and there, God began to work in my life, or the spirit began to work in my life, or the spirit of the universe, whatever you want to call it. So my higher power started working in my life right there through Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, she probably recommended Alcoholics Anonymous, but, you know, I I didn't know anything about my problem, and I'm kind of a cool guy, Alcoholics Anonymous is free, how good could it be? You know, so I, so I didn't, I didn't think AA was really for me. You know, this is kind of therapy, and you guys just kind of get together, and a bunch of old people smoking and, and drinking coffee and crying about how they can't party anymore. So yeah, I thought, I thought for me, what I really wanted to do is I want to go to the Betty Ford Clinic because you know that's where Charlie Sheen went, and you know we could hang out together, and maybe there's a part in the movie for me. I don't know, delusional, yes. <clears throat> So I called all of these places and, and I told them I called all these high dollar drying out places and I told them that, that that I had I had no money, I had no job and no insurance, and they all told me the same thing. Why don't you try Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> yeah. So for me, Alcoholics Anonymous really was the last house on the block. This was it. This was my only choice. So I called central office the following day after after that, uh, that session. Now I didn't stop drinking. I didn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop drinking. So there was absolutely no way that I could put, I put booze down. So bad things were happening when I stopped drinking. So I'm there on the phone at my at, at my mom's kitchen table. I got a drink in one hand and I got the phone in the other hand, and I'm on the phone Alcoholics Anonymous. I am your typical uneventful alcoholic, <laughs> I mean, I am a textbook alcoholic, and I got the phone, and, and I, call, I call central office in, in Torrance, I got sober in California, in Torrance, California, and this guy comes on the phone, and he, he says, it's uh, so Alcoholics Anonymous, this is John, how can I help you, and I, and I talked to John, I talked to John, probably was for about 10 minutes, because I've, I've worked the phones over at central office many times since then, um, and we're not supposed to stay on the phones for very long. But I talked to him for maybe about 10 minutes, but it seemed like hours to me. Because I had made a connection with this guy on the other end of the phone like I had never made with another human being in my entire life. I had been married before, so I was, that was supposed to be an intimate relationship. But I told this guy things, I told this guy what was actually going on, and I couldn't see him. All I had was the phone, I could only hear him, and I knew that he knew. I knew that he understood my problem like nobody else understood my problem. And so we talked, and it just, just, poor John, this stuff just came spilling out, you know. All this crap that I had done, and all the partying, and all the craziness, and all the drinking, and and all this stuff. And uh, So we get through with our conversation, and he says... um, he says, well, you know, there's a, there's a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous tonight. You know, there's, you don't have to do anything. It's free. Come just check us out and see if we can help you. Um, and, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I guess that's probably my only option at this point. And, uh, and he said, "He said, do you want somebody from AA to come out and get you? And I thought, uh, well, you know, what are the neighbors going to think if they see somebody from Alcoholics Anonymous? I, <laughs> now, now, I had, now, I had been passing out and throwing up in my mom's front yard for the last four years. So... <laughs> But what are the neighbors going to think if somebody comes in from Alcoholics Anonymous to try to help me with my problem? So I said, I said, no, no, it's a, I'll, I'll find it. And so, um, so I, I, I stole a few pennies from my mom's purse, and I put gas in my little truck. My, we call it, I, I drove that truck in sobriety for a long time. I had it for a long time, and we call it the drunk truck because it, because it has drunk bumps all over it. So <laughs> it had been in a few minor altercations during my drinking career. So, so I put some gas in the drunk truck and I took off to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'm standing outside, I'm standing outside the club, the Torrance Lamida Alano Club. Now if you ever get a chance, if you're ever in Torrance and you want to go to a meeting, go to Torrance Lamida Alano Club. It is a real Alano club. The, the dirty floors and no two chairs match. It gets better with every generation of alcoholics. They clean it up a little bit, but but when I got there there was you know no two chairs match, and dirty floors and and they're writing on the walls and and, and and they were yellow from all the years of smoke and all this kind. Of, I mean it was a hardcore Alano <laughs> club. So so I'm standing outside in the gravel parking lot and and and, the, and it's kind of dark and there's a few cars outside and and I'm waiting for bats to fly out of the doors or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, um, and I'm casing the parking lot, and, and this little old man, this little old Mexican guy, he come, he walks out, and I got cleaned up. So remember, I'm cool, so I'm, I look good, so I'm, I'm cool. And so this little old Mexican guy comes out, comes out, and he takes one look at me, and he says, first meeting, huh? That guy's name was Jesse T., Jesse Trevino. Now, Jesse's gone now, so he's been gone for about five or six years. And he was the first hand that I shook in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but they told me, be careful, be careful. Be careful how you act when you go to meetings. Act like you're sober. So you'd be a responsible person when you're in a meeting because you may be the only big book that somebody has a chance to read. So, so this guy, Jesse, he came out there and he spotted me right away and he shook my hand and I said, I said, yeah, I think I'm an alcoholic and I don't know what to do with my problem. He said, you know, well, you're in the right place. And he took me into my first meeting of alcoholics. Anonymous. Now, now Jesse he did not throw the book at me, so he didn't, he didn't drag me over to the literature table and he said, you need this, need that and everything like that or get a sponsor, stupid, or anything like that. Jesse showed me... Now, Jesse had been sober at this time about 25 or 27 years, so he'd been around a long time. It helped a lot of people. And, and Jesse showed me why he loved Alcoholics Anonymous. Jesse showed me what Alcoholics Anonymous had done for him and what AA meant to him. So, And, and that impressed me right there. And I loved, I loved Jesse for years. He was one of my favorite people in Alcoholics Anonymous and 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 he he showed us, he loved the newcomers he he always made time for the newcomers he always he was always like you know well, why don 't you come out to coffee with us you know you 're not doing anything come over here we 're going to a meeting tonight, you know give us a call, so we 'll come and get you all that kind of stuff he he was He was one of those kind of AA people so that he did now, unbeknownst to me, I did know that Jesse was going through a rough time in his life when, when I met him. So he had just lost his wife something like a month, well, like six <laughs> months earlier. He had lost his wife, and, and uh, they had a really good relationship, and they had been married for years and years, decades. They had been married for decades. And so, um, and, and uh, he had he had a, a, a large uh, sum of money that he had to retire on, and uh, he found this 30-year-old girl in New Mexico, and he spent it all on her, and he was now living on his fiancé's couch. <laughs> <laughs> so so Jesse had problems. Jesse had problems. But but what he did with those problems is he took them to AA. He didn't spill them from the podium. He didn't grab somebody and complain about it. He didn't whine about it or anything like that. He grabbed the first newcomer that he could find, and he helped them with their sobriety. And and that made a really big impression on me. So I loved AA from the minute. From the minute I walked into my first meeting. And at, at the Torrance Lameda Lano Club, it's a little bit different now, um, but back then they had some... Crouchy old-timers. I mean, they had some hardcore, crusty old-timers, and, and, and these guys would get up to the podium, and, and, and they, they, would, they had no teeth and no hair and no job and no car, and they would say, if you want what we got. <laughs> and they're willing to go to any length to get it, and, and I was like, all right, these guys are real alcoholics, so they know my problem. Because had I walked... Had I walked, we got that great Saturday night meeting the, 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 over there at the club had I walked into a meeting like that for my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous I would wonder where they put the hardcore cases like mine because these aren't my people this place is way too cleaned up in fact I probably would have been really uncomfortable maybe not have come back so I, went to, I was in the right place where I needed to be and those were real alcoholics and I identified with them immediately so I started going to that meeting and, um, and so for the, first, for the first week or so I love the speaker meetings. God, you guys got up there to the podium and you told me all, all about your drinking, and, and I could I relate, man. My sponsor, the guy who was going to become my sponsor, he was asked to speak on a Friday night there, and uh, his name is Herb, and he lives in Florida now. Um, but uh, but he got up to the podium and um, and he 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 talked about he he got he talked about how he got drunk at his favorite bar on Wednesday night before he got to Alcoholics Anonymous. He was like 19 years sober at the time, and he got drunk at that favorite bar. And he went in there and it was daylight when he went, went in and he'd been drinking all night and he came out of that bar and it was sunny and he couldn't understand and he looked around and he asked his friend, he's, he's like, what happened? And, and he's, he's like, what do you mean what happened? He, he, he's like, well, you know, wh- how come the sun hasn't gone down? We've been drinking all night. He's, he's like, Herb, today's Saturday. <laughs> and he had been, he, he lost Wednesday to Saturday and to top it off, he was in Phoenix now. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't know how he got there, and I'm like, I understand that kind of drinking. That's my kind of drinking, and so I, I, I chased Herb out into the parking lot after that meeting, and I, and it, because I knew that anybody, and he talked spiritual, you know, he talked. He looked good too. He stood tall, and, and he was all cleaned up, and he had a nice big black AA car, and you know, he he was he was like he, he was like a really cool dude. And so I, I figured he must have pastored a church. He must have been some sort of preacher or something like that to be able to talk about spirituality like he did. And, and so I, I chased him outside into the parking lot, and, and, and I asked him what church that he, that he pastored. And, uh, and he said, no, he was, he was a pipe fitter for, 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 the, for the local oil field. And, and I was like, wow. And, he's, and he asked me the same thing that he asked most newcomers. And, and, and he, said, um, he said, do you have a big book? And, and I'm like, well. You know, I, I didn't have any money, so I couldn't afford to buy a big book. And so, of course, you know, you know how we are. So I, I don't know what to do about my alcoholic problem. And so I've been drinking around the clock for four years, but i got my pride. So I'm not going to ask anybody to help me get a big book. And he said, now, Herb, Herb was, was, was really, a, a, he understood the newcomer. And he understood that he could not embarrass me. And he said, well, I go to a meeting on Sunday night, and I'll tell you, if you're the first guy to raise his hand when they ask for newcomers, um, they'll give you a free big book over there. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go over there, and I got the inside track on a free big book. I, I thought I was pulling one over, but, but uh, they give away a big book every single week. So. <laughs> <clears throat> but I got that book. I went to Henny, and, and not only did he not embarrass me, not only did he put a big book in my hand, but he got me to another meeting. That, that's how Herb works, so he understood the newcomer. But uh, this is the book. This is my book. So they pass it around and sign it, and it's falling apart. <laughs> they pass it around and sign it at that meeting, and, and I still have it. And uh, it's 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 pretty well worn. It's falling apart now, but uh, I'm definitely not going to give it up. I I know that other other people they 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 give away their big book all the time, and I tell newcomers that if you, if you want a big book, so there's you can buy one. <laughs> you can ask the literature guy and go buy yourself one because you can't have mine. This has been with me too long, but. Um, But yeah, so so I was going to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. We just lost, I I, I started going to a, a Wednesday night big book study and I went to lots of different meetings, and, and I settled on this Wednesday night big book study, and there were two guys at that meeting, and one of, the, one of them was Rich, and the other guy was named Andy, and we just lost Rich, and, and uh, he he was 30, he must have been about 30 years sober, I think, I and, and I went to his wedding, and, and he was a really neat guy, but when I first got there to that Wednesday night meeting, he was just another grouchy <laughs> old-timer, and I, wa- I would walk into that meeting, and I would go to it on a regular basis, and I started getting involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, I started feeling better, I stopped shaking, you you know, so I wasn't hallucinating anymore, and, and so, you know, an AA was working, it was keeping me sober, and so, but I would walk into this Wednesday night meeting, and this guy, this old guy, and he was old, too, so he was bald and everything, I'm not talking about old like we're old today, but he was old, and so he would see me, and he, he would walk into the meeting, and his, he would immediately point at me and say, have you gotten a sponsor yet? I'd be like, oh, man, you know, <laughs> this guy is killing me, <clears throat> and so, and then Andy would chime in, he says, if you don't get a sponsor, you're going to drink again, and it's like hell's bells, you know, and and I told, him, I told him, well, I met this guy Herb at this other meeting, and, and he seems to be a good guy, and they interrupt me. And they said, well, get, ask him to be your sponsor. What are you waiting for? If you get a sponsor, you're going to get drunk. And I was like, oh, God, you know, okay, I'll <laughs> do that. So, so they, they pushed me into getting a sponsor. And so I went over, I went back to that Sunday night meeting, and I found Herb. and, um, and Now, here's where I was at at the time. I had zero tools for living. I did not, I mean, you guys taught me everything that I needed to know about interaction with other people and living, living in a society. Because I could not ask Herb, I couldn't get the words out. I couldn't say, Herb, I need some help. Could you be my sponsor? Now that's really simple. To me now, I understand that now. But back then, those words were not—they were not part of my vocabulary. They were not part of my being. I could not ask another man for help. I did not know how. I didn't know how. So I'm, I, when I see newcomers in there, I understand that. So when newcomers are, are, are him and and about getting a sponsor, I understand that you don't know how to ask for help. <laughs> I will—I will help you do that. I will help you through that part. So so I cornered her. And I found him at the meeting, I cornered Herb, and, and I talked to him for about 15 minutes, I swear to God, I talked to him for about 15 minutes before he stopped me and said, oh, I get it, Ed, you need a sponsor. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I need a sponsor, would you help me? And, uh, and so, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, but your sponsor's really cool before you ask him to be your sponsor? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and then they get weird on you and they get angry and they start telling you to do stuff and they give you assignments and everything like that. So that's what we did. Herb, Herb, Herb had a pre-sponsor interview that he wanted to do and because so, he wanted to find out if I was serious. You know, at 19 years sober, he's seen people come and go. And, and me at 16 years sober, so I have probably sponsored at less than 20, maybe more than 15. And how many of them have actually stuck around? I have one assignment. If you ask me to be your sponsor, your first assignment is call me tomorrow. That's it. How many people do you think actually do that? Yeah, very few, very few. So Herb was kind of the same way. We sat down and we talked for a little while, and he talked about my problem. and, And I didn't know all the stuff that was happening to me. I thought... I thought, I mean, I was beginning to realize by this point that I had asked Herb to be my sponsor, but, but I thought that everybody had these experiences. I didn't know that normal people didn't drink themselves into DTs. I didn't know that normal people didn't, didn't hallucinate when they got drunk. So I, know that, I didn't know that normal people didn't get drunk most of the time. I know that now, but, but I didn't know that back then. So when I started talking about Herb, see, he would point out things. I, I, told, him, I told him, you know... 72 hours after I stopped drinking, I started hallucinating. He's like, yeah, that's DTs. That's, that's, that's the beginning of brain damage, somebody else told me. You know? so, so we went through that stuff, and Herb understood where, where I was coming from. And, uh, and we, started, we started in. So we started in. We started doing the deal. So he gave me my assignments. And one of the things that Herb had me do, the first, first thing, was he wanted me to write, um, I think in, in, in treatment they call it an autobiography, he, he didn't say autobiography, but he said, I want you to write down all the times that alcohol has caused you problems. Now, that's not in the book. That's not in the book. That's not something that, that, that is a, a, a normal step or anything like that. But he wanted me to do that, and it's been really helpful to me. Uh, it was really helpful to me back then. Um, so I got to take a look at my drinking, how it was, and I give that assignment to the guys that I sponsor, and it's always really good because we talk because we're delusional at this point. I think everybody is. I've I've talked to you know in sixteen years, I've talked to countless alcoholics, and I think we all come in, no matter how trash we are, no matter how much we know that we can't stop drinking, we all come in with that tiny little light of hope that we think that maybe by some miracle I'll be able to have, a, have a, a glass of beer on my birthday or something like that. It's there. It's there. Even though we know, contrary to our entire life's experience, that that's impossible, that I cannot do that, that I can't do that. We know that. But still, there's that tiny little light of hope in the back of our brain. So Herb had me do this writing to snuff out that light, to, to understand that, that I cannot drink safely, I cannot use alcohol safely in any form whatsoever, and that's in the book. So um, so we did that, and, and um, the rest of the steps with her, um, it took me a long time to do the rest of the steps. I took a year... Before I got to my fifth step, and I don't recommend that for anybody. And I push my guys, I push my guys to get their writing done on the fourth and the fourth step, so we can get to their fifth step, because I dragged my feet so bad on that, and relationships too. So they, you know, they, you, I don't know if you guys have heard that you're not supposed to get into a relationship within your first year. I got, I got, I got a girlfriend at six months. <laughs> I, I figured, you know, I figured that uh, that I was a smart guy and I was ahead of the curve anyway, so I was uh, I was good relationship material <laughs> when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I tell I I don't tell people not to get into relationships when they're new. I I tell them that if you don't drink over it, you know, it, you'll probably be okay. So um, it'll be a learning experience for the two of you. So my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous is is. Um, has been. Um, it's been. It's been wonderful. It really has been wonderful. But it's been full of life problems. It's been full of life problems. I've, like I said, I sponsor. I've sponsored a number of people, and I'm always grateful for those sponsees. Um, my friend Bill Cleveland. Uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, anonymity statement there. But um, uh, my friend Bill C. If you've never heard Bill C. Talk before, so he is just one of the greatest talkers in Alcoholics Anonymous. You can find him on uh, um, uh, on tape somewhere on the internet. Um, but he says that the stuff that we do the steps that we do and going through the book with your sponsor for the first time he says that that is the entry into sobriety in alcoholics anonymous he says that is aa101 we're not supposed to continue with the steps and working on ourselves after we've gone through it once once we've gone through the steps, we are supposed to get out there and start sponsoring people. Now, Bill, Bill likes to say that, uh, that 80% of the program is working with others. He says the rest of it is just the entry-level stuff, and, and, and the rest of it is just helping out around alcoholics. Not but he says 80% of the program and 80% of my connection with my higher power is going to depend on how much work I do with others. And he's right. He's right. In my experience, that is absolutely right. I like to do this kind of stuff. This is fun. I, it gets me out to meetings that I that uh, that I might not normally go to. I get to listen to myself talk. That's always fun. I'm <laughs> not about you guys, but I'm my favorite subject. So <laughs> I can talk about me forever and ever. But uh, but absolutely, my ego will take a little bit of this and say and pat me on the back and say, "Ed, you did a really good job. You know, you're like somebody in Alcoholics Anonymous." And you know, I'm that's not true. So I'm just another alcoholic. But the people that have really helped me, the things that I've really done in Alcoholics Anonymous that has, that has been incredibly beneficial to my sobriety, have been the foundation of my sobriety, you guys taught me, was helping the alcoholic one-on-one. Getting people, to sp- uh, sponsoring people and getting them to call you and helping them with their program. And I can't tell you guys how many times I've been crazy with life and things have been going on and I don't know what to do. And the phone rings and this other guy's on the other end and says, can you help me? You know, can, can you got a moment, can we talk? And I'm like, ah, shit, you know, I, I got this other thing that I'm doing. And we'll get on the phone and I'll talk to this guy and we'll talk for 20 minutes and he's all happy now. He's like, thanks, Ed, you know, you really helped out. And I hang up the phone and I can't remember what I was so angry about. <laughs> you know, that that interaction in Alcoholics Anonymous is really, but not that this other stuff isn't important because this is where we meet with our fellows. This is where we make the connection. And that connective spirit is, is an old spiritual concept. Alcoholics Anonymous does not have the, have the market cornered on spirituality. Um, I was sitting in church one day. After I got sober, I'd gone back to church for a little while, and I explored that. And I don't go there anymore, So and, and, and don't get me wrong, so if, if you have a problem with church or God or, 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 or any kind of that stuff, uh, it's not a requirement that you go to church. But I do remember sitting in, in church one day, and I was listening to the, guy, the, the pastor do his sermon, And he was talking about the Israelites. And he was talking about the Ark of the Covenant. You guys remember Raider, this is the Lost Ark. You You remember the Ark of the Covenant where they put put the Ten Commandment tablets and all that kind of stuff. And and he he said that that there's a lid on it and there's two angels facing each other. And they put this in in the inner sanctum of, of, of the sanctuary. And the priest would go in there. And that's where the priest would talk to God. He said he, the priest would go in there and he would see God in between the two angels. And Bill, Bill, he always says that God lives in the space between you and me. And that's that spiritual connection that I look for in Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's that spiritual connection that keeps me sober. And it's that spiritual connection that fills me up. Which is strange because that's exactly what I was looking for when I was drinking. That's, I was looking for that connection with another human being when I was drinking. I would go out there, and, I, I, and it would make me feel loose, and it would make me feel connected to my fellow human being. I would feel happy. I would feel taller. I would feel better looking, and I would feel connected to everybody around me. And I got news for you. If you're kicking the tires in Alcoholics Anonymous, and the alcohol gives you a spiritual experience, that's not normal. That's not normal. That's the disease of alcoholism. If alcohol does that for you, you you're doomed. (laughs) Just like they told me, there is no hope for you. So you're you're definitely an alcoholic. But I find that in Alcoholics Anonymous. But that's the thing, though. That's my default setting. If I ever leave that spiritual connection, if I ever don't have that spiritual connection anymore, I will fall back on on, on that which I had before. I'll get drunk. That's it. So I'll get drunk. So either I'm working towards sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous, or I'm working towards getting drunk again. So I can't stop in Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's not that I don't get. It's not that I'm worried about getting drunk or anything like that. I love seeing you guys. So my Wednesday night home group meeting, I brag about those guys all the time. It's uh, it's the uh, Glendale Appreciation Meeting out in out in Glendale. And uh, those people, they, you think you guys are a motley crew. These guys, these guys are just outright. You walk into there, and you're just like, this is a room full of outright defectives. And I love these people. I love these people. And we, they, they call themselves bikers, and all this other kind of stuff. And they all right, their Harleys up on the church, <laughs> up on the church sidewalk, and, and, and they're just some of the coolest, nicest, most wonderful people that I've ever met in my whole life. And I love them a lot. And how do we get that? How do we get that that, that love? How do, how do we find that? Because if you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous, you see people hugging and kissing and patting them, patting each other on the back. And I remember when I came in Alcoholics Anonymous, I took a look at that stuff, and I, I'm like, oh man, I felt on the outside. I didn't know how you get that kind of stuff. We, I get, I fall in love with you if I do loving things for you, and that's what you guys taught me. That's what you guys told me. You said, be of service. So when you come to Alcoholics Anonymous, you're not going to feel like a part of Alcoholics Anonymous unless you're being of service. And so that's really what I'm here for. So I'm here to be of service. I'm here, I'm here to, to come and you guys. It's my turn in the hot seat. So, so it happens. It's happened a number of times over the last 16 years. And I just love Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, if I have any message for you guys, man, if you're, if you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous, or you're not so new and, and you're, you're thinking that maybe this isn't enough and you need something else, man, stick around. Do do the things that we do around here. Get into the book, start sponsoring people, helping out in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you don't have a sponsor, you've never been through the steps, do that first. So that'll get you your connection with your higher power and set you on the way. Because the stuff that we get out of sobriety is far more than just not drinking. So I have good relationships in Alcoholics Anonymous today, and uh, and I'm very grateful for the life that I have, the sober life that I've been given over the last 16 years. I don't know if I said anything that's worthy of that tape, but... (laughs) But thank you guys I want to thank you guys for asking me to come out here tonight and thank you for my support thanks, thanks. thanks. thanks.